1: so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's com. Hello, this is Hey Dude Shoes. This is an ad, but not for your ears, for your feet. Are
0: they listening? Good. Hey Dude Shoes are the squishiest, airiest, lightest, go-to shoes you'll ever have the pleasure of introducing your toes to. So light, a butterfly could steal them. So soft, kittens seethe with jealousy. So cushy, your hands will curse your feet for all the love and attention. Toes, you have hit the jackpot of comfy. Hey Dude, good to go to. When you shop at a Walmart vision center, you get it. You know that you'll spend a little less on stylish glasses for the whole family.
1: From the Cottage Talk, I am Russ Goldman, a co-host, and with me today is Max Cohen. This is our post-match show of the 5-1 loss for Fulham against Arsenal at Craven College on Sunday. We have much to discuss in this match, but before I do anything, I have to welcome my co-host back to the show. Mr. Cohen, that was a very disappointing Sunday morning for the two of us watching it from America. How you doing now?
2: I'm, I'm doing slightly better. You know, I kind of went on a Twitter cleanse right after that match ended. turned off the TV, turned off my phone, went back to sleep, just tried to put it out of my mind for as long as I could. But, you know, with Fulham, you got to keep going back, and I have to come off. And you said, tear off the Band-Aid, you know, just make it painful, but talk about the match, get it over with. And that's what you got to do with these hard losses.
1: Right, we're going to do that, my friend, and then you can move on. I still have another show to do, but uh, (laughs) I think it's important to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. And there's a good amount of bad and ugly in this match. So let me just go to you first off. Let me get your initial reaction to the loss. Start there and then talk about how you feel about the loss now.
2: Yeah, I think so much of the initial disappointment was due to the fact that it was 1-1 at halftime. You know, we were very much in this match going into the half, and I thought a lot of what we did in the first half was impressive. And we were with this Arsenal team, albeit they probably were the better team, but we were still tied with one, I think, of the best teams in the league at the moment. That's Definitely right. the best team on form. I mean, this is something like their eighth or ninth win in a row. So I made mean, it even more impressive we were tied. And the second half was just, you know, just a shot to the chest after a shot to the chest. And it was just so hum- humiliating due to all those late goals. Kind of brought me back to the relegation season in 2013-14 when we would just concede for fun. And then at the end of the match, just having goal after goal. And the players almost resigned to defeat. And you kind of knew Arsenal would score more and just score for fun. Um, and, and you hate to see a team humiliate us like that. And it was a humiliation in that last 10 to 15 minutes. Our defense switched off. We, we lost the plot. We lost our shape. But again, you know, looking back with a more nuanced view, these, we weren't going to win this match anyway, I don't think. These are not the matches. But I've, I've said this as an Everton match and the City match, and I still think it rings true. These aren't the matches that are going to determine our season. It's Cardiff away in two weeks' time. It's Bournemouth at home. It's Huddersfield away. Those next three matches are massive, and that's what the focus for me has to be, not really on the Arsenal match. We're going to lose these matches anyway. We have to beat the teams around us.
1: Totally agree. And those are the teams that will basically uh, decide our future for Fulham fans. You know, those are the matches. We have some matches coming up that really will determine the direction in the short term and potentially the long term for Fulham football clubs. So those are the matches that we really need to be looking at. But Max, I'm just gonna throw this out to you because uh before we started the show, I was thinking about this because a big uh discussion point has been the amount of goals Fulham have given up. So I'm gonna share this with you because I think it's a good talking point, even right now after the match, because it's very disappointing. And uh I was very disappointed after the match. I'm feeling a little bit better now because I can look at it and look at the first half and see some positives like you mentioned. Even at the half, I think, is uh, an accomplishment. But then, of course, we have the second half. Similar to Everton, but this was worse against Arsenal. But Everton are not even at the level of Arsenal. are at a very high level, and they played very well. We have to give them credit. But let's talk about all the goals conceded so far for Fulham. And I'm just going to read this to you because I wrote these down. And I think they're a little bit telling because this is going to go back to your argument about the importance of these upcoming matches. Fulham have conceded three to Everton, five to Arsenal, three to Man City, three to Spurs, okay? That's a total of 14. Fulham have conceded two to Crystal Palace, which was the opening match, so I think you need to take that in consideration. Two to Burnley, two to Brighton, and one to Watford. That's seven goals. The four teams I just named are in the level that Fulham should be in. You would agree with that. So if you look at the difference of the goals, you're talking anywhere between three to five goals against top 10 teams. Then you're looking at the goals I just mentioned, the teams that will should be around full, basically. So for me, I want to focus on that, Max, because they need to get that number down to say one goal instead of two goals. But to me, that is encouraging in itself. If you look at the difference of the teams that Fulham are going to be playing against, that they have to get points on, if they can get that number down, then they're going to be fine. I I just wanted to share that with you.
2: It's a very good point because I'd struggle to think of a team in in our position who's played as many top teams so far this season. I think we have been uh, probably pretty unlucky with our last couple of stretches of fixtures. And in addition, no team has a defense that's as injured, as unsettled as ours, right? I mean, none of these players, I think, starting against Arsenal, with the exception of maybe Tim Ream, should ever be anywhere near our starting eleven or anywhere near starting 11 of any team of Premier League quality. I mean, Cyrus Christie, everyone knows he's not Premier League will
1: we'll, we'll talk about yeah. him in a little
2: bit. Yeah. Maxime Lemarchand, I'm sorry, he's not Premier League quality. And Dennis Sadoy, as much as we love him, he's not a Premier League quality defender. He should not be starting week in, week out for a Premier League team. The fact that we have these players filling in in these positions, but throwing a not fully fit Tim Ream, who wasn't up to the races, but that's because he's injured, and we're missing right. Fosse Mensa. We're missing Joe Bryant. We're missing Alfie Moss, and he's not back to full fitness. And Callum Chambers was out because of a loan agreement. Sure. So these are massive players who any Premier League team, if they're missing three to four key defenders who aren't up to speed, of course they're going to struggle. Of course they're going to concede goals. People aren't make, paying enough attention that we're probably been the most unlucky team. You can talk about Stuart Gray. You can talk about, you know, people. I saw people blaming Marcus Badenelli. That is ridiculous. That is abysmal from our support. What could he have done at any of those goals? And people seem to forget that amazing save he made on Bellerin just moments before is at school. Well, that was a great save. People seem to forget that because they want to get in his back. I have no idea why. Any goalkeeper put in front of that back line would concede goals for fun. Anyone. It's just not a Premier League defense. And when you play against Premier League attacks with a championship-level defense, you're going to concede goals.
1: Totally agree, and uh, this situation with the back four or if he decides to go with three at the back, they need to figure it out. They certainly need to figure this out. Savisa so has to figure out, but injuries have been an issue with that. You just talked about Reem coming back from an injury, and, of course, you have Fosu Mensa and then Joe Bryan being injured, so that doesn't help things at all. And then, they again, try, he's trying to find his team, and talking about especially in – Defense, He hasn't found it yet. So you're going against Arsenal. You're going against Everton trying to figure it out, and it's difficult. And we talked about this on the last show, Max, talking about the injury to Fosu Mensah. And then, of course, Christie comes in. Sorry, there's a drop-off there. There is a a drop-off because I think Fosu Mensah is Premier League quality, and I think we missed something there at Everton when he went off. Only time will tell if he proves me right. But what I've seen so far, I have a feeling he can be our right back. And then, of course, you have the situation at left back or, like I said, if we go to a back three with Wayne backs, that's something we can talk about. But I do like Joe Bryan in a back four as well. And then you're trying to figure things out at center back with an injured Tim Ream coming back and you're trying to figure out who's going to play with him. Or could you have two other center backs as your main two? That has not solidified. So when you're Dealing with all of these situations, there's an obvious reason, Max, why they are struggling defensively because it's so unsettled. It's so obvious. So I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm just trying to point out what's going on here. Yeah, and,
2: and it's, it's, it's just a terrible situation to be in. And, and I think one thing has to be asked, Russ. I don't know if this is unfair. I saw this mention on social media, and I thought I should bring it up. Go ahead. People, people have been saying, do you perhaps blame Tony Khan? For not investing in more defenders. We went out there and bought a lot of attacking players. We also bought a lot of defenders. But when you miss Fredericks, you miss Kalas you miss Target, all players leaving the club, should there have been more of an emphasis on the back four this summer?
1: It's interesting. I want to say this, that I understand where that's coming from. I think the timing of some of this is what's been the problem, is that some of these players have come in late. You have Lamar coming in early with Sarri, but some of these other players you're bringing in fairly late into the situation. I I know that they got Mossen, but that took a while to happen, my friend. Of course, Chambers as well. And maybe that's also part of the problem. Of course, you have Joe Bryant coming in at the last minute, along with Fosu Mensah. So I think part of this is timing, Max, that they just haven't had enough time to come together. So if there's any blame on... Tony Khan, I think, I think it goes with timing, but I think that's difficult because it takes two to make a deal. Football, or, or in any sport, is that uh takes two to tango. Like I said, it takes two to make a deal, and sometimes it takes longer than other situations. I think that's just part of, of the business of doing football, Max, but I think, to me, I think they have the players. Maybe you disagree. I just think they need time to gel, and I think the timing of it was really bad here.
2: We need We need time, and We've been saying that for weeks now, and I, I still I think know. it's true. But I mean, Russ, I, I keep asking myself this, right? And, and I'm sure you do too. When is a turning point? You know, when are we going to hit that, hit that stride? Because I firmly believe, you know, I thought it was the Burnley match. <laughs> if you <ask> me. <laughs> Yeah, like, that was it. Yeah, fair enough. But I mean, we know Slavisa's teams start slow and pick up steam, and once they yep. hit that stride, they're very, very good. You know, I heard you, the right. guys, the Coben brothers, on the show yesterday said. I don't think they can hit that stride in the Premier League. And I think that's true. I think it's going to be much harder to put a, of course, it's going to be possible to put a type of run like we did last season sure. in, the, in the top flight. But I still think we can put up a similar run of the same caliber, of course, not unbeaten, but the same run up the table. I think that's possible for us. We just need a catalyst or a turning point. And, you know, I'm going to go with the turning point of when the back four comes back fit. I still think we're going to play back four. And I still think it's when Moss and Reem. Boston and Brian are all on the pitch at the same time, settled and playing consistently. When that happens, I still believe we're going to play well, but that prospect is looking even more and more unlikely each day, and I don't even know if that's going to come to fruition at all this season.
1: Well, let's hope it does, but Max, here's the thing with everything that you're talking about. Everything is about timing, but what gives me hope that things will get better? We have seen glimpses of what they can be. I just mentioned the Burnley match. That, to me, epitomizes what I think Fulham can be as we get into the season. I could say the second half against Watford showed that to me. First half against Everton. There are glimpses of what this team can be. If we didn't have those glimpses, Max, I'd be doom and gloom with with the people that are (laughs) afraid that the R-word will start becoming more prevalent. I'm not going with the R-word because of those glimpses, Max. That's where I stand.
2: That's smart. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. I, I don't think we can talk about relegation yet, just for the pure fact that there are three teams who haven't even won yet this season. Mind right. you, we've 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 only won one match, so we, we can't sure. say we're that much above them. But at least we have sure. that point a win under under our belt so far. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at the next three matches. They're huge. I, I mean, I can't think of a bigger match. You know, of course, since the playoff final, since that Cardiff away match, that's going to be such a huge fixture, not only for the the implications towards the bottom of the table, but just for our momentum. A win there and, and a convincing win at that would just do wonders for this team, I think.
1: Totally agree. All right, Max, let's move on. Let's go to some comments from Savisa Jokanovic after the match. And I, I've got these quotes from Ryan O'Donovan from uh, Football Dog London, And I'm going to read two excerpts from it. Uh, we're not going to go to the uh, other manager just for time's sake. We're just going to focus on what Savisa said after the match. So I'm going to read this. This uh, part of the excerpt is entitled assessment of the game. This is Slavisa's quote after the match. Quote, my sensation is mixed because I think we played first 45 minutes well. We created the chances, and then the team was running well. We didn't give them so many opportunities to score the goals. In second half, they scored really easy goals, and I missed being solid, more speed, missed more effort, and we opened all the doors, and they finished the action easy after not so many complicated situations for them. Second goal arrived from a throw-in. They kicked the ball, and they showed the action. We weren't strong enough or fast enough to stop the shot and goals before. And the first goal, too. We need to be more solid and better in that situation. At the moment, we showed so many weaknesses for this level, and especially in defensive side, and we must find the solution for this problem, unquote. Okay, that is from Slavisa after the match. That's part one. I'm going to share with you your thoughts.
2: Yeah, I think in some ways he's uh, stating the obvious. We are not solid. We don't defend well, and we're not up to Premier League level. So I think I agree with him on on all counts there. He's a manager. Um, we've been like this for some weeks. You know what 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 is he what, what is he going to do on the training ground? Of course, you know we've talked about the injuries. I'm I, I'm not blaming Slavisa, but yep. I mean at, at least you know, at least the very least you can say, at least he knows there is a problem so he can help address it. That's, that's good stuff. At least he's not going out there saying, you know, we played well, we were unlucky. Will we go again the same next match? He realizes there's a problem. And that's, that's a somewhat positive take out of that.
1: Right. And that's the way I was looking at it. He knows something's wrong because I I think there would be other managers that would deny it. He's not denying it. He knows things have to get better and he's looking for the solutions. So again, knowing that my manager is upfront about that, I think is important because I, I've seen in situations where they'll be denying it. I think that just makes it worse. He knows it and he is going to work to fix the problem. So that that's part one, my friend. Let's talk about part two. I want to share with you. We just don't have time to go through all of the quotes, but here's part two of the excerpt. This is entitled, Concern by Lack of Effort in Second Half. This is the quote from Savisa. Quote. No, I don't have this sensation. We find tough situation for us, and we started to concede goals in the easy way at the end. In the end, I believe my team give up and surrendered the last 10 minutes. I try and be positive after they score a second goal. I try to find some way to equalize the game. We created the things, and I don't believe so much about stats, but when we finish the game with 21 shots and opposite team with nine, you can be confused. They showed the quality and the pace, and they showed threats. This is what I miss, especially today. We must build trust in ourselves and know where we are. At the moment, we didn't show Premier League level, but we must be available for working hard, unquote. Okay, my friend, the one thing that stands out to me, talking about effort, he again, he was talking about that. One thing when he talked about the amount of shots, and we'll go through that when we go through the stats. I didn't even realize until I read it. Foam had 21 shots compared to nine for Arsenal. Just take that in for two seconds. Your thoughts? Yeah.
2: As as soon as you said that, I frantically looked up the stats, and I thought, wow, Solis is going to be totally wrong here. What on earth is he talking about? No, but it's true. We had 21 shots. But, I mean, one thing which he didn't mention, which, of (laughs) course, he wouldn't mention. I think you know where I'm going with this. I know where you're going. Out of on those target. twenty-one, yeah, only four on target exactly. And Arsenal nine shots, seven on target. So I Correct. mean, take that with a grain of <laughs> salt, but that's still—I mean, twenty-one shots. That's—I mean—that's definitely a startling stat. I think that kind of shows we were um, a, had shown ambition in this game. We we were not just content to sit; we wanted to on the front foot. That's right. And try to get our goals. Um. Yeah, you know, I, I can really understand uh, Selisa's comments about effort because when we're down four-one, there's always a chance. You know, with 10 minutes to go, we can come back and get ourselves back in the match. But as a player, based on the momentum of the match, it seems like an impossibility to fight your way back from that kind of deficit in that kind of situation. So I can understand how the players' heads can drop, but I also can understand Lisa's and also the fans' frustration because you expect players to play from minute one to minute 90 with 100% effort and motivation. But unfortunately, the match isn't always like that. Um, and, you know, they got the fifth goal, and that's that's just a killer for me because – they were, in a way, soft goals, but they just kept coming, and the heads did drop, and and for good reason, because it was a smashing at the end.
1: It just added insult to injury, and, and the end of that match, I was just thinking, let's just see this through. I, I could have dealt with 3-1, to one Max. It's those other two goals, and uh, it's funny because I've seen a, a few film supporters saying that the scoreline flattered Arsenal a little bit. I tend to agree with that because I think that at the end it was just adding to what they had already established in the second half, because we're talking about four goals in the second half. It was 1-1, and if you didn't watch the match, talking about going into the second half, you would have thought that it was a domination the entire match, and we both know that wasn't true. So the line makes it look much worse, I think, than it really was. So I think that's what you're talking about. And then, of course, when you give up the third, heads can drop, and I think that's what happened. Then you're just trying to see it out, and – the other team's still trying to score. I, I don't blame Marcel for trying to score goals at all because I've been on the other side of that. If the team can't stop you, then that's on them. Well, it's on foam for conceding those two other goals, my friend. That's the way I look at it, but it's, it's a hard situation, but I don't think it is a true reflection of uh, what we watched yesterday, Max. I'm talking about the other two goals.
2: Yeah. And, Kind of like those garbage time goals are what's frustrating because there's that um, trade off between do you start chasing the match to try right. to get a goal or do you set up shop and just be compact? And Steve Sidwell, who's doing the commentary here, um, in, in the I States, was going
1: to mention him, by yeah, point.
2: which um, I mean, I'm a bit disappointed in Steve because I love him as a player, great servant <laughs> of Fulham, and he kind of adopted what, what I think is kind of the, the British ex player, kind of punditry class. Uh, Stupid mentality is the way I put it, in which they love just to, to chide Fulham for being so defensively naive and, oh, they don't know how to play in the Premier League. And it's just this, this incredibly annoying and, in my mind, sometimes condescending way of talking about the way we play. That's just not deserved at all. But there seems to be an idea that, oh, we're just so naive. We don't know what we're doing. And if we're only really more defensively compact and played you know good English football, then we'd be fine. And that's just That shows kind of an ignorance of the way we play and, and how we set up. So... This is a little personal, right? But back to the point, he was saying that after, you know, it was 2-1, 3-1, we should have just tried to set up shop, tried to get a goal on the break, and uh, not try to go for it. And in the end, I mean, although I disagree with his general line of thinking, his argument has some merit to it because in the end we got got burned. We scored the final three goals when we were kind of attempting to try to get ourselves back in. Would have been different if we kind of packed it in and maybe hit him on the break, got a set-piece goal,
1: made it 2-2. Who knows? But here's my counter argument to that. As a fan, don't you think the argument would have been, why didn't you keep on playing? Why did you give exactly. up at that point? Exactly. Exactly. So, and I, and I so agree how with How can I look at it that way, Max? I look at it as my team's down three to one. They should still fight until the very end to try to win the game. Even when it's looking like it's not likely, why should they change the way that they're playing? Now, you talked about the last 10 minutes, and I understand where you're going on that at that point I think the players were done and and that's unfortunate but before that before they scored the fourth one why shouldn't they continue to play and try to make it three to two I that part I I don't understand even a four to one you should still continue to play that's just the way that I look at it I disagree with that line of thinking and if you look at it Max Fulham are built one way with Jokovic and it's aggressive He's not going to change how he plays. I'm sorry, he's just not going to change it. He's not all of a sudden going going to park the bus and try to beat them on the counter. That's just not his mentality. And for me and and this point I understand the comments, I just disagree with them.
2: Yeah, me too. And, and and the thing is you know, we were saying kind of in in, in, in youth football, which is, you know, when you're down let's say 2-1, attack, because, you know, losing 5-1 is the same as losing 2-1. Right. A loss a loss, but you can still get that equalizer. But in the Premier League, you can still say that in a sense, but, you know, goal difference is a lot oh, more significant. So <laughs> that's one way I could see. well, you know, maybe we don't want to attack, but I'm still very much of the view. If you're losing, you're already losing. Throw everything you have in order to get the point, because at the end of the day, you just sit back, Don't even try. You're still losing if it's 2-1 and you don't even score a goal. At least show some ambition to try to get back on level terms.
1: Right, and that to me, again, when I look at it, would you approve of a team that just wanted to make it not look as bad as it really is scoreline-wise? I mean, I would rather a team just keep going, take their lumps, like you said, and we'll deal with the goal differential at another time. I know people won't like me saying that, but I don't think goal differential in the end is going to be as big as people think. For for what I mentioned before, Max, the goals that we give up against the big teams compared to the goals we give up against teams around us, I think is going to be massive. And if we can get that goal number down against the teams that we have to beat or actually get, results against get that number down i think that is more significant than what we do against the arsenals of the world so if they want to be ambitious and try to go forward and try to get back in the game i'm all for them on that because if they didn't we'd be killing them on the other side i'm talking about the foam supporters i believe we some would be so i don't have a problem with the approach that's just me i understand why people are saying that but i just disagree with that all right, my friend, let's move on. We have a lot to discuss in about a half hour's time. So let's talk about this. What were your thoughts about the starting eleven and the eighteen overall when you saw it? First thing that went into my mind when I looked at it, he's playing three at the back. Yeah, I was I was kind
2: of taken back by that formation because we hadn't seen that from Slavisa uh this year, at least in the league. You know, I think we kinda of right. saw that in, in the cup, you know, against Millwall, but definitely not in a high stakes game like this. And I like that Tim Ream was back there. I was in some way surprised that lermar was drafted in because Salisa had kind of frozen out for a while. But I was kind of intrigued in the way that you had Cessinone in that wing back position. And as we saw, he played very well there. And I think that might be um, a really good find for Salisa.
1: Right. And that's actually going to go with something that I was uh, messaged, Max. I'm glad that you brought that up because I want to bring this up Right now, it's it's a great segue. Okay, Max, I'm actually going to share a comment that I got from Ryan O'Donovan from Football Doll London. Him and I were going back and forth talking about the match. We were talking about the play of the wingbacks. This is what he actually said about Cessna. Cessna had a brilliant game. On today's basis, I think wingback is his best position. What are your thoughts on that? It's intriguing because... You know, I think a lot of the
2: conversation has been pretty black and white. Left back, left wing. But what if there is a middle option, the wing back? And I, I really agree with Ryan in, in, in this case because he was superb yesterday. He was. You know, He he went toe-to-toe with Hector Bellerin, who I think I would say is definitely one of the paciest players in the Premier League. And I think one of really the best attacking defenders in the Premier League. And he kind of showed him up in some situations. He was not awed by it. And he took the match to Hector Bellerin which is no, no easy feat. He was right. our best player, I think, yeah. uh, on, the, on the day, and he showed kind of the perfect mix of kind of what we've seen from him. And it was almost like, was this really under our noses all the time? You know, <laughs> Not necessarily influential enough to play a left wing position, not necessarily defensively sound enough or necessarily physically enough to play left back, but the wing back might just be um, the perfect mix of the two. I, I'm actually very excited to see him in that position going forward. But it's rough for me because I don't necessarily see that formation as a whole being the best for full of. So I don't okay. know if we're gonna see him that much at wing back.
1: Okay, well it's just an interesting uh situation and uh Craig Coban on talk full time. I asked him, I said, Well, what about the formation? And uh he thinks that part of the reason we saw this formation is because he does not want to put Ryan Cessny on. As a left back, he was trying to fit him in in a place where he could do better. Paraphrasing what Craig said here, but he thought wing back was a way to not have him play, say fullback, that this would be a better place where you kind of c- can do a little bit of both. Mm.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's, that's actually a really good point. And in, in terms of shaping the the formation to suit Sessignon, it, it has its merits because yeah. in some ways he can be our most dangerous player. So if we can facilitate his skill, the rest of the team can also get better. But, you know, it comes back to the point. Well, first of all, we cannot have Cyrus Christie wingback. We back. We all know that. So we yeah. have to some way to get him off the pitch. And you also have to find a way to, you know, incorporate um, the likes of and Chambers, Ream, perhaps. So when they're all fit, that formation can work. Yeah. But I don't really want to see Le Marchand out there. And to some extent, I don't want to see Adoy back out there.
1: Okay. Well, that's uh, obviously uh... – a bigger discussion for another day, my friend, because obviously there are issues um, with the uh, center backs. All right, let's uh, move on. Let's now talk about the first half. And, Max, to really talk about the first half, we have to talk about the beginning because, again, I thought it was pretty even, you know, the half ended 1-1 as as we know. But Fulham came out strong here. And they had a great opportunity to score early on by Luciano Vietto in the third minute his shot was uh partially deflected but it was a good save by the goalkeeper then you had a couple more opportunities from Fulham. one from mitrovich that goes over in the 18th minute and then in the 27th minute you have a shot from andre Sherla. so there were opportunities for Fulham early on and you know and again i i thought that it was i thought it was fairly even fairly even game to start off but now let's go to the goal by Lacazette. Lacazette scores in the 29th minute, and it's a well-taken goal, and Arsenal goes up 1-0. Before I get your thoughts on the goal that gave Arsenal the lead, I want to read something to you. This is a quote from Robbie Earle from NBC Sports Network at halftime. This is what Robbie Earle had to share because I find it interesting, and I think it's a good discussion piece as you share your thoughts on the first goal by Arsenal. This is what Mr. Earl had to share. Quote, if you got a back three, a Woby should not be in that much space. One of the center backs, Doi, should be over. And Christie has got a one-on-one with Monreal, and he has to do a job and stay goal side. He doesn't. Monreal gets there, plays the ball into the box, and yet again, foam concede. Unquote. That's from Robbie Earl. They actually obviously show the video that backs all this up, Max. This was, again, you could talk about Arsenal getting the ball in midfield, then eventually how it ends up with Montreal and then gets to Lacazette. But when I watch this back, and I've seen it several times now, you can really see where Adoy should have been, I guess you could say, wider out. And then, of course, you have the situation with Cyrus Christie not staying with his man and not getting goal-side. Your thoughts? Yeah, they're just...
2: uh, I'm trying to think of one thing to say here. There's there's not, because there's so many. It's just such a series of defensive lapses. I think the biggest culprit has to be Christie. And, And we saw this against Everton last week when he didn't track back Guilty Sigurdsson when they scored their last goal. And it's exactly the same this week. He's even with Monreal at around the halfway line, he was and just doesn't track him, doesn't sprint, jogs. And and the worst thing for me is once he realizes he's gone, he just keeps jogging. He points, he points at him as if to say, Oh, someone else, someone else mark him. It's your job. That's your job, Cyrus. That is your job to get back there and mark Monreal. And it leads to the goal. Monreal yep. has so much space to put in a cross. He's a player of real quality. You can't give players like that space. Um, and you're right, Adoy. Gave a Wobie too much space, but then you have the absolute opposite extreme, Reem, who's just completely. I mean, he's he's not he's naively close. He's to the point where Lacazette doesn't even really need to make a move, just kind of takes a touch to the side, and Reem falls falls on his butt, completely left for dead. Uh, and he's so close out. There's no one close to him. Uh, Lacazette, he's not going to miss from there. So it, it was a goal that was frustrating because, as you kind of mentioned. And as LaVisa mentioned in his Pochmask comments, we didn't really give them that many chances. No, It's not like they were all over us first half. They only had no. four shots total in that first half, but give them a chance, a team of that quality, a chance like that. And they're going to take it every single time.
1: Right, Max. And uh, when I look at the first half and I look at the opportunities that Fulham had, I cannot do that without thinking about how much space of had because it was so significant and it happened over and over again they didn't have that many shots but they were dangerous and I think that was a precursor to what was going to happen in the second half honestly because that was an issue you know and I was thinking how can they better play this formation and uh, I think we talked about the issues that they had in the first goal and I think that kind of played itself out like I said going into the second half so but let's talk here again Fulham had a couple of more opportunities. You had the shot by Schurler in the 42nd minute. He makes up for that, Max. And I should say this is an opportunity that turns out to be a goal in the 44th minute. Schurler scores. But this is set up beautifully by Luciano Vieto. And Fulham go in the half, 1-1. What were your thoughts? Did you think this was a deserved goal? And do you think Fulham deserved to be 1-1 at the half?
2: Yeah, and also let's not forget the uh, the really good reception by Nguisa. He I think else. he's taking a lot of criticism, and much of it is fair. but That's a great he point. He's setting it up. Of, yeah, he's setting it up and applying that pressure. Because I think Sluiz kind of identified Arsenal as a team who like to pass out of the back. But as we know when teams do this to us, we can also do it to other teams. Kind of put some pressure on them and, and hope to kind of uh, mop up a mistake. And that's what we did here. And Giza did well to uh, intercept the pass initially. And Vieto shows really good vision. Just so It was a perfectly weighted ball um, in between the center halves. And also Sherlock, to know exactly where the keeper is, to have the awareness just to chip it over Leno, that's really top class. And and that was a great um, finish to that half because we were in it. You know, we were not being dominated. I think Arsenal were probably marginally the better side, but we were certainly good quality for that goal. Going into the half one one, it was a similar situation to Everton, I thought, because we were in it. We were in the match and absolutely great. And then we just had that second half collapse, and it was a different sort of collapse to Everton, but the same result. And yeah. ah, I, I, I can't necessarily put my finger on, on one. It's not, You can't say there's one catalyst that caused us to concede four goals. It was a series of a lot of things, but we have to look. We have to become a complete team. We have to be a 90-minute 90 90 minute team and not a 45-minute team. You can't be a 45 minute, 45 team.
1: minute team. Exactly.
2: And, and, I mean, to be completely honest, happened against Everton, and also happened against Watford, you know? And to a certain extent, also happened against Brighton. You know where we, we fell apart in that last half as well. So, uh, a, a lot, a lot of things going through my mind right now. But the point is, we have to be a more complete team. That's my biggest sure. takeaway from this match is We have to see matches out for for the majority of them, not just for certain periods.
1: Totally agree, Max. Let me ask you this: because I asked the guys this on full time, would you have changed the formation at halftime? It's a tough one.
2: Uh... <laughs> Change to a back four means you're sacrificing a sack, and that's 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 a tough decision to make. And in the end, it was redeemed because I think he was injured. But I, 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 I don't think I would have changed it at halftime. Okay. Just because we kind of started to play well. The issue was you always the, my issue is you have Cyrus Christie out there, and he was a liability no matter where he's playing. And you can't we don't have another right back on the bench who is going to fill in. You Stefan Sessman, but he's not ready for the big time yet. So right. I, I, honestly, I think you change changing formation wouldn't have solved that major issue, which was kind of our weakness in the wings. Um And you can say a back four would have made it less apparent, but you still have a player out there who's not a, a top quality. And even you change formation, it's only going to partially paper over the cracks. So I'm going to say I, I would not have changed it to a, to a four at the back half.
1: It's a fair point. And I've asked this, and I don't have the answer because he was injured, but I go back to it. I would have liked to have seen what Fosu Mensa would have done against Montreal for, for this match. I would have seen how he would have been. I think he's more balanced. And I also think he's more offensive. I think he gets more balls in the box than Cyrus Christie does. I th- I think that he's more of a complete player and not a liability. So we'll never know, but I would have liked to have seen, I want to see what he looks like in this formation as a wing back. If I'm being honest, that's what I want to see down the road. We don't have that situation yet, but. It's just, you know, again, just, just interesting to talk about there, my friend. All right, let's go to the second half. And um, w- let's start off right here because I, w- I want to give Marcus Bettinelli a lot of credit because he made a great save on Bellerin in the 48th minute. Unfortunately, Max, one minute later, Lacazette scores again. me your thoughts on the second goal for Marcel. This was a sucker punch. It happened again. I mean, I, I guess you could say it was kind of coming because – they came out strong with the opportunity from Bellerin. They, they were. But the way this thing went down, it was, again, uh, just a, a great goal by Lacazette. But I have to be disappointed as a Fulham supporter on how this all happened.
2: It just we all kind of switched off. We, you can't concede a goal from a throwing situation. You know, As Lisa said himself, and expect to be happy with that. It was, it was out of very little the goal came to him. and I think Anguissa was the one who maybe got a touch on it that led it to, to Lacazette or lost the header. And no one expects him to shoot from there, honestly. But a player of that class, he sees an opening and he takes it. And, you know, Ream wasn't close enough to him. You could, you could possibly say Benelli wasn't alert enough, but at the end of the day, that's just a superb strike. Oh, it is. And when you switch off, you get punished by those superb things from teams like Arsenal. So, it, But it, you mentioned it. It's such a frustrating goal to concede because it was out of nothing. It wasn't as if they were dominating us and playing a superb team goal. Yeah, I think like, it's the, like a third one.
1: Yeah, I, I think that one is preventable yeah. because it starts off with us. I know that it's a wonder strike and it's a magical goal. Let me just say, Lacazette showed his quality there on both of these goals. But I think it's preventable just by the way Fulham handled it, Max. Yeah, and – you know, when we're in these kind of defensive situations,
2: when we ship goals for fun, we always seem to concede the wonder goals. We always seem to concede these long range efforts or the ones where we switch off. And that's just a symptom of larger defensive fragility, honestly. We're fragile. Yeah. And more fragile teams concede soft goals like this.
1: It's a good point, there, my friend. All right, let's go to what I want to call a key moment. I want your thoughts on this. 54th minute, Savisa so now makes the change. He brings on. Abubakar Kamara takes off. Tim Ream, they changed the formation. What were you thinking at the time? I was conflicted
2: because in the build-up to this match, I actually called on Kamara to play a role. I said, listen, he needs to be in this match. So on one hand, I was delighted that he was coming in. Um, But, you know, Ream coming off is a miss, but I think we can all agree that that wasn't necessarily tactical. I think Ream was injured. If he had just chosen to take off a center back, I think you even take off Lemarchand or Adore. Reem would have stayed on there if fully fit. So, in some instances, this was a force change, but you mentioned the formation change it was definitely not. And I, want, I really wanted it to work for us. I really did. But yeah, so did I. Kamara didn't quite get into the match. He, he showed glimpses, but he didn't, he didn't show what I think we know he can do. He was basically on the fringes for much of his time on the pitch. And it led to a center back pairing of Adore and Lemarchand and, you know, wing backs of Christie and Cessignon. And that's a back four that, I'm going to be honest, is, is dreadful, you know? That's a back four that no one is going to want to play with in the Premier League. None of those players that's across bad. the back four are Premier League quality in their position. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm Cessignon player. I don't think, I think we can say left back isn't his best position. That was bad. And if you play a back four like that against a team like Arsenal, who can bring off players like Aaron Ramsey, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, we're going those to talk about players. both of them coming off. Yeah, um, Russ, <laughs> it's not fair. It's not fair that you bring those quality off the bench. And we got shredded, but was anyone surprised when we have that back four against that kind of attack? Was anyone
1: surprised? No. I hear you, man. I hear you. All right, Well, right. Let's move on. Let's talk about Kevin McDonald coming on for a in the 62nd minute. Then you have a move that I think, again, changed the game for Arsenal. You have a woby going off, which I was like, okay, that's a good thing. But Ramsey comes on, which was not a good thing for Fulham because one minute later, one minute later, Ramsey scores a goal that was phenomenal. Let's just say the goal that he scored. But talk about the goal that made it 3-1 to here.
2: Sometimes in football, even if it's scored against your own team, you have to kind of step back and not applaud, but respect. Respect the goal because, let's be honest, that was one of the best goals I've ever seen. Because, the, the, but it, at the end, I think we made it easy for them. We did. We When it, Ramsey gets that outless pass and kind of chips it over well into his own half, he shouldn't be given that space. He should not be allowed to escape yep. from such a situation. And then, you know, we're very, very, very open once they pass the halfway line. The ball from Mkhitaryan to abameyang I think Christie should cut out. He was very poorly beaten. Gave up Bamiang all the time in the world to put him across. And then both Le Marchand and Ndoy are very close to Ramsey. But very close isn't good enough because they don't end up actually marking him. And he just kind of takes that step back. The ball is actually behind him, which fools our two center backs. But then that that, that back heel, I mean, you just got to take it. bow. When yeah. players can do that, you know, you can defend as well as you want. But, you know, that's just a touch of absolute quality, and we don't have that in our team, and Arsenal do, and that, that was a difference.
1: Absolutely. They have that. Lacazette showed that. Ramsey showed that. Unfortunately, Aubameyang showed that, too. He scores two goals after that. Thoughts about the two goals from Aubameyang? <laughs> uh,
2: the, the, the second one, uh, sorry, sir, his first goal, so the Arsenal's fourth goal, is difficult to, to pinpoint because you have Kamara being first forced to defend. And he gave Bellerin a lot of time to put in the cross. You know, Sesson's caught the pitch. And Le Marchand, again, it's almost kind of like the Tim Ream situation. Um, again, with Lacazette, you have a striker who receives the ball back to goal. You shouldn't be able to score from that position. But we make it very easy for them to score, and, and that was a really annoying goal to concede. And then the final one, he's just played through, and, and another defensive lapse. Le, Le not close enough. Adoy gets beat. And, and that's 5-1, and... It all kind of blurs together at the end. We're all just conceding goals in that last, you know, 20, 20 minute yep. spell, um, and it, it hurt, Russ. It hurt. Yeah. Uh, but as I said before, we can't expect to defend well when we have players who clearly are not up to the task. And I can't blame them because they're not prim- they're not Premier players. You know, they're, yeah. they're not meant to be in the in the limelight against you know one of the best attacks in the in the division.
1: I hear you, my friend, and I'll just share this real quick, then we'll go through the stats. I got a message from Andy Buckley-Taylor a while back, and he was, again, he's a Darby County supporter, blogger, and uh, was on the show often when we were playing Darby County. When we got Cyrus Christie, he told me that uh, he didn't think that he was um, good enough and that uh, he was glad that, Darby County got rid of him and got two million pounds for him to, uh, to Middlesbrough. In fact, he told me that uh, he thought that was basically, I'm paraphrasing a steal, that they got that money for him and that he was their weak way. This is Andy Buckley here saying that when he was at Darby County. So we get him, and uh, I basically said, I, I, you know, at this point, I'll say it here. I have nothing against Cyrus Christie. I want him to do well. I just don't think he's Premier League quality. Andy backed me up on that last night when I uh, was messaging back and forth on him. You know, again, it's no, no disrespect to him. Players are at a certain level. He's just one of them that should be at the championship level, Max. I'm sorry to say that.
2: Yeah, and I'm going to take you back to a moment that I don't think a lot of people are going to think of. But it's in, it's in my mind, and I thought you should hear this. The the Brentford match last spring. Christie gets subbed on when we're up one nil kind of chasing the match. And it's very late the stoppage time. And he loses the ball all the way up in the right wing position. He makes a really bad decision to try very to dribble nice. across. And instead of just kind of killing off the match, loses it up there. Brentford in the end, end up going to the other pitch scoring as a result of Christie making a bad decision, not killing off the match. Back then I thought that's poor. He's, he should not be playing for us in the championship. And he did not Frederick's just, relegate him to the bench. Yeah. How can a player like that, who did not even deserve to start for us in the championship, play be playing week in, week out for us in the Premier League. And it's because of our injuries, but the fact that we're forced to resort to these kind of options is 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 just so disappointing for us because our defense is killing us and it's
1: all because of this our 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 bad luck with injuries, I think it's a factor, my friend, I'm glad that you're bringing that up. You know, again it's not an excuse. It's just Telling you what it is, it's a factor. It's a factor in what's going on. They need to be defending better, but like you said, you have players that are at a certain level and you're playing against Arsenal. What are you going to expect? I mean, you're going to expect something like this, and that's unfortunately what we got. All right, let's now go to full-time stats. I find this interesting. We'll go through this quickly. Let's see, possession. Max, 51% to 49% favor of Arsenal. So that's slightly ahead in possession, which is interesting. Here's the one that jumps out. Total shots, we already talked about this. 21 to 9 in favor of Fulham. But like you mentioned, this is the stat that jumps out as well. On target, seven to four in favor of Arsenal. Corners, four to two in favor of Fulham. Crosses, 17 to seven in favor of Fulham. Attempted passes, 473 for Fulham, 504 for Arsenal, which is, like I said, pretty even. Passing accuracy. This one is actually interesting. Fulham were at 80 percent. Arsenal were at 78%. I thought they would be higher. So those are your full-time stats, my friend. What stands out to you? For me, yeah. it has to be the ones on target. Exactly. But it also shows,
2: I'm going to focus on the passing. We, go, we went toe-to-toe with really one of the best, the best passing teams in the division. You know, We matched them. It was marginal. We beat them in some respects, and we lost them yeah. in other respects in terms of possession. But this shows, you know, at home, we can play our football against the top teams. It's our defensive fragility that's going to doom us. That's what the stats say to me.
1: True. True. I want to add one more stat because we're talking about attack and passes. Foam led in that category, Max. 230 to 156. So if you're thinking about it, going forward, I think we have something going on there. Unfortunately, it's defensively where is the major problem. So if we can fix that and, and marry the two together, we're doing something. You know, if you can do that against Arsenal, I'm talking about going forward, you fix it defensively, then we can be competitive against these teams. Right now, they can't because the defense is just not good enough. In fact, it's poor. It's very poor. And that's been the downfall. All right, my friend, let's move on quickly. I'm going to share with you the results of the man of the match, poll, which is still going on, on Friends of Fall. I find it interesting. That's why I'm going to share this with you. At this moment, when we're recording this, there are 160 votes. In the lead right now, at 35.6% for man of the match, Max, Dennis Adoy, followed second by Luciano Vieto at 18.8%. Ryan Cessignon is actually at 8.1%. Undecided is actually higher at 10.6%. I find these numbers very interesting there, my friend. I'll just share a couple comments real quick. Luca says, Adoy for me, only decent performer from the starting 11. Miller says, if I could give two votes, that would be Vieto and Adoy. But voted for Vieto. Very interesting there, my friend. What What are your thoughts about the uh, voting here on Friends of Fullman and also a couple comments I just shared? Um, yeah, uh, not what I was expecting, I think. I think Adoy, you know, he, he he played well.
2: I thought he made some decent tackles, but um, I don't know if this is harsh, but I don't think it can give a defender a man of a match when your team ships five goals. That's, yeah. that's just how I see it. And the SO, I'm not the base Eso fan. I think he gives us great um, vision and uh, an eye for an assist, which is what he does superbly. I don't think he deserves to be up there at all, though. Um, I think for me it's clearly Cessna known as my man of the match. He okay. was the best player in my mind going forward in attacking. Um, he looked bright. I said before he went at Bellerin. He went toe-to-toe with one of the best uh, right-backs yeah. in the league. I think he's my man of the match. That's a, some really surprising results, actually.
1: Um, what do you think of those guys? I was surprised by it because um, I thought it was Ryan Cession, honestly. Um, that's just who I would say, you know, in a very bad match, I thought he was the bright spot for full. I also thought Vieto was good, but I didn't think Adoy was terrible, but I didn't think he was man of the match, if you're asking me, but I don't know. I mean, people are entitled to their opinion, so several people, you know, voted for him, you know, and again, I'm I'm looking at a couple more here. Uh, FFC Steve says Adoy, for me, for a little bloke, though, he didn't do a lot wrong and gets in the air amazingly. So people, I I think, are looking at the effort that Dennis Adoy gives you, and he gives you everything. So I understand that. Uh, Dodger fifty-three says a doy for me may have been Reem had he played ninety minutes. I, I don't know if I agree with that with Dodger fifty-three, but everyone's entitled to their opinion. Berserker says a doy as well, so a lot of people are saying a doy. So I find that very interesting. I didn't I didn't think he was bad. I just didn't think he was man of the match. All right, my friend, let's finish off with talking about Savisa. Give me a rating for him. It's a tough one.
2: Um, I'm going to say five, I think. I, I wanted to like his substitutions, but in the end, I don't think any of them really came off, um, ultimately. And the back three, you can't play back three with uh, Cyrus Christie as your are back, and that's my biggest my biggest gripe. Um, I don't think he did terribly, but I think a five is kind of my average score for him. And he did get outmanaged, let's be honest. A 5-1 defeat yep. is going to be um, – it's always going to be poor for the manager, so I'm going to say five.
1: Okay. Very good. All right. One final thing before we go, I should have asked you this before. I I want your thoughts on this. Again, this is something that Craig Coben said during cottage talk full time. I thought this was an interesting topic that he brought up that I wasn't focused on because he was talking about the defense being bad, but you also have to look at the cover that the defense is getting max. He was focusing on the fact that he doesn't think right now we have a proper number six. I want your yes. thoughts on that because, he, again, I'm paraphrasing what Craig said, but he doesn't think that McDonald has the pace to play at the Premier League level, which I tend to agree with. And Nguisa right now is not quite getting it done. What do you make of that?
2: It's true. I actually agree with both of those points. I think McDonald, as much as we love him, as much as he was so integral last season, he's, again, as I said, probably not up to the pace of the Premier League. Like he's too slow. And Nguisa, I think, was a player a lot of people thought we kind of fill that role, but as we've seen, it's going to take him a while to adapt to the Premier League. He yeah. just loses the ball and just makes too many poor decisions and gives the ball away in really dangerous areas. I wouldn't give up on him,
1: give. though. I, and I, the, yeah, I only thought up. on Nguyen you signs. cannot give up on him. Yeah,
2: yeah and, and, I, and I agree with that. I actually t- said he was our best player uh, in the Everton match last week. I'm, 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 right. I'm, a, I'm a fan of his. I think he will come good. I see him in a similar vein as I see Kamara in that it's going to take him time to adapt but he has that potential they can be a really top player i think
1: one day i think he does too but it also makes you think do foam try to find someone to play that role in the january transfer window to go along with having in gisa because love kevin mcdonald but i just don't think he can get it done week out week out in the premier league i just think that especially against certain teams. He's just going to struggle. And uh, it hurts me to say that because he was my player of, of the season a couple of years ago. I just don't think that he has, as Craig said, the pace to play at this level. It's it's too bad. Same thing with Stefan Johansson. They just can't cut it. And uh, even though you love these players, what they gave Fulham, what they helped Fulham accomplish, it's a different level at the Premier League and you need players that are, are at a more elite level. and. You know, that's no slight on these guys. But they just might not be good enough for this level. All right. Great show, my friend. Very good show. I really enjoyed that. Any final thoughts before we go?
2: International break is going to come at a really crucial time. Let's hope Slavisa can do some more defensive drills um, over these (laughs) next couple weeks. And as I said earlier, Cardiff away. What a match this will be. Probably going to be the most nervous I've been for a match in a while. Yeah. a win a here one. changes our season.
1: It's a big one. I look forward to that. It's funny because I've had people tell me how good Cardiff City played against uh, Tottenham. And I, I, I watched that match. I was actually impressed. They did play well. But um, I like this matchup for Fulham. I'm, I'll say that right now. But people know me. It's glass half full. I, I've watched too much of Cardiff City to know that I think Fulham can beat this team even there. Yeah. Uh, but we'll, we shall see because they have issues to take care of. And one thing I will say about Cardiff City that scares me is that they're great on set pieces. And uh, if Fulham cannot be solid on set pieces, well, they could be hurt against a team like Cardiff City. It should be an interesting match. I look forward to that, and we'll be talking about that upcoming. But like you mentioned, we have the international break as well. All right, my friend, let's wrap this up for my co-hosts, Max Cohen. I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you as always for listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute. And all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougal share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com.